0: I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip-hop by the numbers on Twitter. We use hip-hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm director of The Fifth Element, where I highlight 5th Element hip-hop, which is knowledge. And
1: welcome to digging in, digging in, digging in, digging in the digits. Oh, that slap. Oh!
0: The a cappella intro just slap. Oh boy, can we
1: get like two uh can we get like two female vocalists to like just come through and just like do that for us? That'd be sick. Man, no, that's fine. That's fine. I know. I'll put my I'll put myself on
0: for that one. I know <laughs> a couple. I told ah, you was, I told you when's clean. when's the Charlie Taylor music career. No can't give us can't give us one bar and go that slaps and then nothing else. Like give the people what they want. <laughs> Sean C style. Just give us some bars. No,
1: nah, no, nah, it's, it's not it. It's not it. It's not it. It's not no, no, no. Guy <laughs> that deep, fam. I ain't that deep. Why are you just always asking for more man? Take what you take the intros, you look at the intros, alright? It's cool. Calm. Don't get just don't get ahead of yourselves, it's all right.
0: <laughs> to be fair, when Sean C rapped, it was um it was a snooze fest, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I think that was the point of the video. <laughs> I think so, too. I hope so. I really hope so.
1: Oh, well, yeah. It was like, it was it was better putting you guys through this than listening to the Blueface album in it, so uh, I understood yeah. the joke, yeah. Uh, that's, the, that's the joke, it's like, this is better than the Blueface album kind of thing, yeah. Poor old Blueface. Um, which, uh, which, only, which only you can attest to, because um, I don't... I don't handcuff myself to this crap.
0: <laughs> well, he we only did 12k, so I think that's probably me and Sean C are the only two who actually listen to it. I don't think anyone else uh, g- gave it an opportunity.
1: Six well, k listens each. Poor old uh,
0: blue, blue face.
1: By that math, uh, the weekend had like 10 people uh, do the billion um, that went on. <laughs> uh, <fuck laughs> get to that yeah. when we get to that. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh, just to trigger Ben, um, just to get you nice and started, uh, nice and warmed up. Uh, hi Ben,
0: how are you? And what have you been us to this week? Oh, I'm tired, man, but I listened to a lot this weekend. Weekend, haha. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Whoa. So fucking, come on, bro. Wordplay. Uh, Wordplay. It's, se- it's seven 7.30am on a Monday. Like, I'm not in my best form right now. I'm not in my best lyrical form. <laughs> I'm poor at the moment. What? <laughs> I will go from my favorite to least favorite, and it's going to be The Weeknd at number one. After Hours. Bro, this album blew me the fuck away. I tweeted out when it dropped on Friday, because I was with Winnie, and we were just chilling, working from home, being responsible, you know, staying at home. And we were being comfortable in our adult, mature relationship, and I just wasn't sure I could listen to a weekend album at that moment. We weren't doing cocaine off hookers together, and we weren't having sex in lamborghinis or cheating or any of like the weekends go-to topics but i listened to it that day and i'm really glad i did because this is fucking fire i think i left charlie a message when i got home and i just said i honestly think this will be the best sonic album this year like so- sound wise I don't think anyone No, 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 no. You just sit down with the year, fam. Don't beat around the bush. You sat down with the year. You locked that shit in. Did I? No, 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 no. Hang on. I said it was a contender. I said it will be the best sonic experience of the year. No one's gonna top that. I think people will make a better album than this. But I think like just the production okay. was intense, man. It was so intense. The first song is a stomp. The lyrical content is actually pretty deep. 63% is about relationship breakdowns. 45% is about loneliness and isolation. 34% is self-critical, and I really like that stat because The weekend does take a lot of responsibility for the breakdown of those relationships. Um, I just love this album. I really think it's great. It was crisp, inventive, dark. It slapped the whole way through. I will continue to go back to that album a lot. So shout out The Weeknd. And somehow, according to Double XL, he did a billion streams in a day. Like, what a legend. That's a fuck don't listen to Double XL. That's not the truth. We'll talk about that later, but fuck fucking outlets, man. So then I listened to the two uh extra tracks off Mac Miller's Circles. Um I just I really <laughs> liked it, man. I, I think Mac sounds really, really stunning in like a delicate, kind of needy way on these songs. He really speaks from the inner voice. The one that we sometimes are a little bit frightened to give the space to think and feel. You know, the need to be nourished and loved and be important to someone. But I just, I love that album even more. I can't even say much more about it than that. Uh, just beautiful, those, those two songs. Childish Gambino, 6 p.m. last night, my time. Dropped off 3 a.m. in America. It's 03.15.20. Now, Childish Gambino is... Is on a three-album run that is brave, inventive, powerful, and actually very listenable. I think this project sits way further along the experimental curve than *Awaken My Love*, which was experimental. It was a change, but I think this is you know, on this album. There are like huge stretches of electronic noise, random pauses. I have to count that up because a lot of the time Gambino just was just stop for like three seconds, and nothing will happen, and you're like the fuck is going on here and then he comes back in and I, I don't know why I just really like that it really builds tension he um, he switches between rapping and singing a lot but I really you know a lot of people on Twitter miss his rapping and I honestly miss his rapping I think his singing is great but um, I just think he's such an inventive rapper that I really do miss when he does rap but when he does like Algorithm uh, is my favorite song and he raps really well on that the amazing thing about his singing is he can just meld his words and his voice around. Like on Algorithm, he says, I don't, it's so expert that he could be saying Algorithm or he might be saying I'm the rhythm. Like I genuinely can't tell which one he's saying, but I, I assume it's like that's the point. It's both. And I just really liked it. I think the album will unfold more with more listens and it might really open up. Uh, I don't think it's as colossal as albums like The Love Below. I don't think it's as dazzling as Channel Orange or as tight as Blonde, but I do feel like it needs to be mentioned in those categories at some point in the future. I think it will. I don't think it's going to lose replay value. So I like that album a lot. Then I'll get into okay some of the albums I listened to that you may not have heard of before. Zebra Cat's Less Is More. Uh, Zebra Cat's been around for a long time. I first encountered him when Azealia Banks spit over I'm a Reed, I'm a Reed. So I am going to read, basically, on her mixtape fantasy. His beats are great. They're industrial, they're dark. They had a lot of Yeezus qualities, and they did pop up just before Yeezus came out. So he began in around 2012, and Yeezus came out 2013. So that was always a little bit, when I was listening back then, I was like, hmm, I think I've heard this before, you know? So I really enjoyed that a lot. Uh, Sada Baby, Scuba Sada 2. This is incredible. This album, I did like. It immediately gave me T Grizzly vibes. Then I realized that Sada is signed to T Grizzly, so that makes sense. The album is full of aggression, purpose, movement, great microphone presence, and a lot of confidence. There's a lot of emotion expressed too. It's it's trap focused, but it's more dynamic than just a standard trap album. And if you love T Grizzly, you're gonna love Sada Babies. Really evocative stories and vivid imagery. I, I really like that. I kind of, in the same vein, but a little bit of a step down, was uh, Rio de Young OG, City on My Back. He was He's from Michigan, too. Sada Baby's from Detroit. And I think at some point, we're going to have to talk about how Michigan have a genuine sound right now that's starting to take over, like bubbling up from underground uh, this is a solid release. He's offbeat pretty often, actually, but it gives the, ta- the tracks like, a bit of character and a bit of texture. The beats are solid. They're simple beats, but they give him an opportunity to take storytelling to a bit of a new level. Like he- He's pretty vivid as well with his imagery. It's that Michigan thing, I guess. So I enjoyed that project as well. Uh, Woody Smalls, In Between Spaces. I get super Dreamville vibes off this. He reminds me heaps of G- of Jid. Uh, I don't know if anyone else is picking up on that. A little bit of Earthgang in there as well. I think that this album is a bit all over the place. It has that kind of messy quality that Earthgang has. Um, unfortunately, the track with Zaya Rashad is the worst on the project. I really wanted that to be massive. And I think Isaiah Rashad's verse is okay... But I just feel like there's better stuff elsewhere on that album. Uh, If you're a Dreamville fan, then I would recommend listening to this. Then we got a two-pack from Static Selector. We got uh, Static Selector and Terminology, 1982, The Quarantine. This one really kept me engaged all the way through. I didn't really like the pandemic-themed titles because I'm not in a place to be joking around about it at the moment. It was a little bit hitting too close to home. But the production felt good it was a great project like terminology kept the pace and then there was just a revolving door of great guests little fame was on consecutive songs i haven't heard little fame in so many years i was really happy with that that was great and then he did a project with uvo fev ufo fev sorry fresh air and i thought it was a bit of a step down from the um the quarantine i just didn't think the theme carried throughout the album I found it a bit hard to get into, uh, but it might be something for you. It's pretty chill, chill vibe. Uh, Big Tobes is a vibe, uh, man. Uh, I fell asleep a couple of times during this album. I love it when he, <laughs> I love it when he raps super grimy, and when he spits alongside Dizzy Rascal, it's really joyous. But his singing and his softer songs just aren't it for me. The exception is "Do You Better," which is a good story. I like the story aspect of that, but the singing is a bit air. Eh. It's not a bad album, but I just struggled to get into it. I wouldn't say don't listen to it. Um, It's not that bad. Uh, Dash Walk the Plank This is a semi-decent trap project from Dash, who is heavily associated with Earl. The beats are solid, but some of the shock rap lyrics and the titles just felt... It felt... It's not it in 2020. I was like, eh, it's not it. And I... Man, I think we need to have a podcast one day on shock rap and what its place is in contemporary hip-hop, because it's not enough to just be ridiculously disrespectful to everyone and aggressive and violent anymore. Like, that's not it. I, I don't know. It used to be, I guess, in the early 2000s, but it's just not where it is now. Um But mm. yeah, this this album would be a good place to start that conversation because mm. I, I couldn't shake off that feeling. I couldn't shake off, like, this is not appropriate right now. I'm not feeling this, so... I didn't Mm. really enjoy that project. Uh, Little Flip, The Leprechaun 2. Bro, this is way too long, man. This is 2 hours and 9 minutes. It's just excessive. He's dropped, I think, 3 albums this year. Third project is... Chris Brown levels. It's it's intense. And, you know, it's pretty... Chris Brown in the sense it's very consistent. But it's pretty filler. Like, there's a lot of filler. So, I I was looking forward to that. Because I used to like Little Flip in the early, mid-2000s. But that one fell flat. But it was not my least favorite album of the week. That goes to the horrible hulking mess of Dianne Ward's House of Zeph, bro. See, Dianne Ward and Yellow Wolf are the only two hip hop acts I really connected with my white friends over in my early twenties. So when we were in our early twenties, everyone knew I liked hip hop, and so my white friends would be like, "Oh, you gotta listen to Yellow Wolf. You gotta listen to Dianne Ward." And I listen. I'm my- like. They're pretty good. Like, Yellow yeah, Wolf's trunk music was pretty good. But I'm like, you gotta listen to... And then I'll give them, like, MF Doom or Deltron 3030. And they're like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is... I'm not enjoying this. And I'm like, this is real hip-hop. You're listening to, like, trash. Like, I, I, I like it, but it's not that great. But anyway... So, I mean, Diane would genuinely play this weird white trash role... Which they tap into Zef culture... Which Ninja ninjas the main rapper, <laughs> along with um, Yolandi. And he described it as people who soup their cars up and rock golden shit. Zeph is, you're poor but you're fancy. You're poor but you're sexy and you've got style. And they have not deviated from this ethos since 2009. They have just not changed it, switched it up once. Ninja still raps like he's the biggest douchebag in the universe... Yolandi comes in with the same cutesy vocals to try and temper the hard-edged sentiments and overtly aggressive tone of Ninja. And amazingly, the soul-saving grace of this album is an interlude by Smiley, who is an Australian rapper I've never heard of. It's witty, it's vivid, in a way that Diane would have never been. And it was just so weird that they would put that on there. And I'm like, bro, this guy's too intelligent to be on your album. He makes you look stupid. So... I did not like that album at all. I I did not like it's it's a mess, man. So I would say don't stay, stay well clear of that. Even if you like Diane Twitter, I wouldn't recommend that. Um, so yeah. Anyway, that's what I got into. What about yourself, Charlie? Uh, just a side note. I, was, I had
1: some uh, had some friends, some well, people I knew at school that uh, listened to Yellow Wolf, and I was just like, and then I saw the I googled the dude, and I was like, oh right, okay. That, that, yeah, that you person, see them now, is it? You see the vibes. Uh, okay, right. Yeah, yeah, you know, I know the vibe, I know the vibes. And the only time I've actually consumed Diantwood Twit is, uh, I did a uh, music video uh, unit at six uh, one one time, and we just watched like a couple of their videos and how weird they were and stuff like that. It was like this is this, and trying to break it down and stuff like that. Was yeah, that's that's the only time I've listened to them, and I'm just like. In um, mm-hmm. permission to well, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play the voice uh, message you gave me, but you did say album of the year. This bro, this is album of the year. Just to... I don't
0: remember saying. Well, I may have said it so far. I don't Do think I, I would. D- d-
1: Do you want me to play it on the mic right now? <laughs> play it. Alright, let's play it. Alright, here we go. You got a fucking queued Oh, oh my
0: up. fucking lord! This album of the year. What was that? This fucking uh, album, album of the- <laughs> the- oh, fire. Oh oh, super hot fucking. Fire.
1: Okay, there we go. Uh, now, now, so you tested me. You tested me, and that's what you get. You said over the year, it's fine, bro. You can change your mind next week. It's all good. I'm just saying. Right, right. now, you just said it's over the year. How right, the cool. year so far? We'll compromise and say it so far because I'm not going to lock you into it for the rest of the year. Oh, but you said <laughs> no. I'm not going to do that. That's that's, that's whack. Right, so um...
0: you fucking got me there, bro. You had that shit lined up. I don't know why fuck. you
1: tested me. Like I didn't like. <laughs> L- like give it a listen beforehand. You become stupid. <laughs>
0: huh, huh. I deserve that one hundred. Hold that
1: L anyway. Um, all right, so I got into one, two, three, four, five, six projects so uh, this week. Uh, so let's start with Shrapnel, um, spelled with K N E L uh, at the back. Uh, this is a uh, curly castro and Prem Rock, uh, two two dudes, and um, yeah. So it's a really. It's named their name Shrapnel in the album's next channel, by the way, just the title, uh, title album. Um, yeah, it's very industrial. Um, very, I don't want to say grimy in the terms of, like, Boldy James and uh, Benny and them. It's not it's not drug rap, so to speak, um, but it's very industrial. Um, similar to, like, I guess, like, something like Ghostface. Um, uh, Ghostface Killer in that sense. Uh, very aggressive. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a very... It's, it's a very it's a very interesting one it's a very interesting one very eclectic i will say uh yeah, i will say that um two eps i jumped into uh truemendous Ha. Huh. um it's a called Ha, huh. and uh i love this I, this woman's great like if you saw my ep list from last year you know i had her uh, one of her eps on there um i listened to and i, I think i shared her out on a previous episode last year yeah this girl is on point she her wordplay is so fucking clean um she recently signed to High Focus Records to shout to them. And uh yeah man, it's a it's a solid DP. Uh, the bars are just so so witty. Like her confidence on the mic is just unmatched right now. It's it's so great. It's it's so it's so refreshing and the beats are and uh, the beats are if you if you know high focus, um you know it's just UK hip hop basically, so um it doesn't really uh it doesn't really change from that uh from that um uh doesn't really deviate uh sonically but yeah her her bars it's, it's just her it's just her listen to that shit it's great um nappy High, shout out to him new friend of fivey uh with orange ep shout out um him. um so well i, I have an interview dropping um next week almost good with him um so if you want to go ch- ch- uh, check that out check that out. but also check out orange and his uh uh, album from earlier in the year, uh, weekdays. Um, but yeah, Orange is uh, super solid. Um, it's his seventies West Coast vibes are just. He, he wears his influences on his sleeve. Um, it's just, it's so, it's so clean. He actually told me during the interview that um, he he doesn't account for BPM or any of that or metronome in. He just goes by feel. Similar, I guess, Jay Diller in, in that sense. Um, but yeah, it's it, you. You totally get that. You totally get that feeling um that it's just completely uh, manual in terms of beats and uh yeah it's just super solid like um and and the uh, and the, sa- <laughs> the sampling's clean uh there's a feature on here with Devin Morrison and uh yes yeah, it's, it's it's just great give it a listen uh, Moses Boyd dark matter this is a very 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 fascinating jazz album um partly from the sense of that it's not just jazz but because he he also in a sense <clears throat> similar to Nappy Eye, wears his influences on his sleeve, because it's not just jazz that comes in through it. Um, you also have, like, uh, garage elements, like R&B elements. Like, there's, a, there's so many more contemporary, um, uh, contemporary uh, more mainstream, like, kind of uh, sounds coming through from, like, back in the day in the UK kind of thing. And yeah, it's just it's just super it's super interesting. It's a nice, interesting fusion. It's clearly jazz. It's a it's a full on jazz album. But the, but he just throws in some you know just just a little sprinkle of this, a little sprinkle of that. Sometimes it's just it it just adds to the flavor. It's just very it's very fascinating. though record, um, uh, probably my favorite jazz album of the year so far. Uh, chill hop music. Shout out to them, chill hop essentials. Spring 2020. That means spring has begun because I go by my seasons when they drop their essentials. Um, so well, there's there's obviously a lot of a lot of people. They get um they get a lot uh, for those who don't listen to chill hop essentials. Um, basically it's like an hour mix, uh, compilation so to speak. Um, they just get loads of chill hop artists, and uh, you know if it feels like a spring record, they put it on. Um just wanna shout out some tracks on here. Soul Food, Ruck P, that was clean. Uh Keep on by L- Indices. Um Greenhouse Motor Nando. Uh Blossom by Ben Badaboom, what a name. Uh what else? so uh, Velvet by Odyssey and Co uh, Coca Bona. Uh what else was there? Um trying to look through. Uh Comfortable by ASO, and yeah, there's, there's there's some great there's some great uh, stuff on here. So if you if you just need to listen to spring vibes just slap it on for an hour, um put it on shuffle, whatever, and it just sends you it's great. Love it. Shout out to Chill And uh lastly, I want to get into that Charge Gambino, because I just slapped on when I woke up today. I I don't see the hype. I I don't see what you guys are talking about to be honest. Um the fact that you put it I'm not even a Frank Ocean fan, but like the fact that you put it in the conversation with Blonden them I'm just like, excuse me, <laughs> what? <laughs> no, this 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 project seems. Ugh. I don't want to say that it seems like it, it, it's it's all over the place for me. Like you know, okay, you know what, right? You know when you said uh, with um, when it came to like Janae's Chilombo, right? And you said that like that big Sean verse when he came in just like took you out of it, right? All them, all them times again being at the end of every, not every track, but the end of some tracks, where it's just like noise, not 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 death grips type of noise, but just noise, just just stuff happening, right? To the point where I had it on in the kitchen, and my mum was going, "What are you listening to?" And you know what? I fucking agree with her. I didn't say it because I don't like agree with her with music, <laughs> but I was in my head going. Yeah, she is right. What the fuck am I listening to? Like some of the time, it was just so. Oh, I just took me out of it sometimes. It's like I try to get into it. Like you know, there's that Ariana versus, uh what Is it a verse or just a feature? Whatever. Twenty one's in it, and I'm like, alright, cool. I'm getting into it. And then it's just like, it's just, it's just noise. I'm just like, what, what are you doing here? What is the, what is the, what's the goal? What is the end goal here? I don't know. So yeah, I mean, it got better. It got better as it as it went along. But yeah, it was just times where I just like just got taken out of it. It was just like you 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 had a rhythm there, and then you just decided just to scrunch up a piece of paper in my ear. That's basically what it was like to me. Um, so yeah, I I don't know where you guys are getting this album of the year talk from. I haven't even listened to the Weekend album, but um, I can, from how Ben's talking about it and from how other people have talked about it that I trust, the fact that you put it on the same pedestal is just jarring to me. I just don't understand this album, to be being honest. I understand the experimental side of it, and I appreciate that, you know, I'm, I'm always down for that. But this just doesn't, it, it doesn't seem like, it, it don't seem thought out to me, just to be, just to be real. So, yeah. I don't know. I think don't, I think don't.
0: I th- I think what I really like about it is just Gambino just does not pull any punches like he just goes wherever the fuck he wants to go. He's like I want to do electronic, <coughs> now I want to do this, I want to do that. I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to do that. Like and I just like him as an artist. I really think that he has a lot of depth and he hits upon these incredible sounds in his voice and I just I don't know, for me, I understand exactly why people wouldn't get into this because it's quite jarring at times. It goes from here to there and it gives you whiplash. I Mm. guess you really have to buy into, or not buy into, but you have to, I don't want to say dick ride Childish Gambino, (laughs) but you have to like Childish Gambino a lot. You have to like his vocals, you have to like the direction he's going in, and if you don't, then I don't think this is going to be a very accessible album for people. A lot of people, it's like the response on Hip Hop Numbers has been love and hate. Like it's literally yeah. one or the other. People are just like, meh, this is yeah. really bad. Or, okay, this is a great, beautiful album. And yeah. I I don't think it's hype. I don't think people are hyping it. Because I think Donald Glover is at a point in his career where if he dropped a genuinely bad project, people would just say, this is not it. Oh this is no not where it's I,
1: at. I, I think you' underestimate I think you underestimate some people right I think you're oh, underestimate not
0: A lot and, of people compared it to Eagle, and um, I don't think that's fair because I think Igor okay. is a much tighter well eagle is a concept album, yeah, the I don't word know what the tight concept that for you use
1: yeah is. that that that's the word tight the word, in fact you use the word tight for like for in in terms of this is just like no this is this is looser It's shit. not tight, yeah, it's looser that's what shit.
0: I that's what I. Uh, that's why I put it in the conversation with something like The Love Below because I felt like The Love Below was loose. It was mm. all over the shot. But mm. it was fucking colossal. It was massive. And I just don't think yeah. this album is as big as that. But I want to see how people view it in five years' time. I want to see how people view it in five months' time. Mm. I don't think it will... I think it's the same as Because the Internet. It's the same as Awaken My Love where at first people were like, the fuck is this? Um, but then they were mm. like... Mm. Were they not like that with those? Because I I felt that, but maybe I'm wrong.
1: I feel like there's a different level to this one than to those two. Like I've heard of stuff from Awake in My Life before. Like go back forty years, you've heard that stuff. Of, you've heard that stuff true. before, right? That's true. And like, I don't re- I don't even remember because of the internet. To be honest, I've, I've like I know there's a script to and stuff like that, but I've, I've totally forgotten the. Uh, the hype to it and the sound to it to be honest but yeah it, it's just the sound of this to be honest like lyrically I enjoy it I, I like what he's talking about you know what I mean I, I get it but yeah just sound wise it was just like it, it was just someone throwing paint with it was just someone throwing putting their hands in paint and then just like throwing their throwing their hands at the canvas it's just like speckles to be honest that's, 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 all, that's all it is to me but yeah, I don't know each to their own it's just uh, I don't know it just felt like a bit of a dud to me to be honest and you know I'm not I'm not I'm not a a fan by any means. I enjoyed it, waking my love, and you know, enjoyed um, you know some tracks here and there. But you know, it's just like, oh, i of the No, no, not happening for me. But anyway, okay. we shall That's move fair. on to our topic of this episode, continuing our celebration of Women's History Month. But, uh, man, that, that's just been thrown out the window with all this corona shit, like <laughs> nobody's even thinking, talking about Women's History Month anymore, it's totally dead, I've, I've not even seen nothing, no celebrations, everyone's just talking about corona. Anyway, <laughs> but we're going to continue regardless, because uh, I don't think we can talk about pandemics as it pertains to hip-hop, I don't know. Um, no, i don't want to maybe Fuck maybe if there's a shit. dr octagon album um that actually goes by health i don't know <laughs> uh but anyway so we're gonna be talking about uh salt and pepper uh probably the pioneers i guess in terms of um female hip-hop groups um they were the they were the female hip-hop group for for a while for a long time um and yeah, I've, uh, if I listen to their music in the past week, um, I've had some different, uh, I've had some interesting uh, takeaways from them, but um, uh, we'll get in that when we get
0: to that. Um, So yeah, I uh, don't know where you want to begin, Ben, but begin where you always begin. We may as well begin at the start because I had no idea, like I genuinely thought they were a mid to early 90s group when I first started this yeah. and I was like, because cause they were just so prevalent. They were just so... Yeah. I guess, relevant, you yeah, know, longevity's. like there were, yeah. Yeah, there were not many groups or artists from the mid eighties who were so epic in the nineties, but they just continued onwards. And I'll talk about that in a second, but yeah, so they began as a duo without Spinderella and they were called Supernature, and they dropped the single showstop, the showstopper, which was actually picked up by a lot of New York, New York radio stations. And the track was a bit of a call in response to Dougie Fresh's the show, which gave it a catch and a narrative, and I think this is a true underground hustle story. The product was so good. This this is what I really like about it. You know, I really like these groups that and artists, and it was similar with Missy, where they created a product that was good, and radios picked it up without labels getting involved, without any like bullshit, and it just started getting requested by people. And this is what happened with the Showstopper. Listeners were requesting the song, calling the radio station ended up hitting number 46 on the Billboard R&B chart, which is pretty epic for an entirely independent song and act. They just put it out there. So they signed with Next Plateau Entertainment, which is relatively large, but it was an independent group. They dropped their first album, and that album went platinum and had the legendary hit that is still a hit today, Push It. So that was like what 1986? That's crazy, man. That's the mid 80s that they were doing this. And their early work and approach speaks basically to the uncharted territory that they were entering. Salt said in an interview with The Guardian that they weren't the first female rappers. I'll speak about that in a sec. Uh, they referenced Angie Stone's group The Sequence, who was signed to the legendary Sugar Hill label. They began late 70s and, they began late '70s and early '80s a sequence, but they never found chart success except uh, i couldn 't believe this when I, when I read this. They found chart success a little bit, the sequence on the ridiculously racist black chart. There used to be a black chart. <laughs> Billboard used to have a black chart, black album black oh, song. yes. What the fuck is that shit? Fuck Billboard. Oh, man. We got to do a whole podcast on how. The Negro charts. Ridiculous Billboard is. Um, So, yeah, they had the. This is the the story of how Push It came to be. They had the single Tramp. They were looking for a B side, and Salt said they just came up with Push It super quickly. Pepper, Pepper described the appeal of the song. They said that they were always alternative. But they were they were trying to get on top of the pops. They were seeking out the radio sound, but bringing it from like a more raw and underground area, like a more raw quality to it. And Pepper said, we opened the door for fee- for female, women rappers, female rappers. And it was it was, I guess, It was it was incredibly pioneering because prior to Salt and Pepper, the sequence existed, but there weren't many female rappers in the mainstream at all until Salt and Pepper came along. Like Shah Rock, uh, a lot of people accept her as the first female MC, and she was part of the Funky Four Plus One, and they had a hit with "Rapping and Rocking the House" in 1979, which was also on Sugar Hill Records. Fuck man, Sugar Hill Records were massive back then. Then there was uh, Roxanne Shante, who was only 14 when she dropped Mm -hmm. Roxanne's Revenge, Mm -hmm. uh, which came after the group she was in, UTFO, dropped the single Roxanne, Roxanne, which is, a lot of people agree, that's one of the earliest hits from a female rapper. But the difference was that none of them solidified their success. And I can pretty confidently say after doing a shitload of research Salt and Pepper were the first female MCs to truly make a, a mainstream career out of rapping. And they, they debuted just before MC Light and Queen Latifah, and then they blew up. They really did blow up. Like, even by today's standards, they would have been blowing up. So that is epic. I had no idea that this was their legacy. I, when, when Charlie pitched me the idea for this podcast, I was like, is there really a whole podcast worth of material in this? Because I don't know that much about Salt and Pepper, and I thought they were kind of a novelty act. No, they weren't, man. Not at all. They they were pioneers in uh, the female rap space.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, honestly, totally forgot. Um, there was a, there was groups beforehand to be uh, to be real. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's a it's a I guess it's a one. Uh, I guess a uh, uh, history rewriting itself. I guess in that case of me saying that. But yeah, man, I. Sort of Pepper, man they had to they had this um i guess i think it was a matter of um uh just i think i, th- I think there's an element of 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 like uh, i guess luck into this because i feel like with some time ty- uh, in that case um you know in the case of like uh, you know sugar hill and and, and all of that and definitely in the as as hip hop started to become Uh, started to add, you know, business, um, I don't know what you want to call it, ventures in it. Um, I guess there were some points where, you know, they they put these people together and it's just like, just see if it works, I guess. But obviously Mm. with these, uh, with with this case, with obviously Saul and Pepper having their own uh, relationship beforehand, it just shows the importance, I guess, of chemistry. Um... And the only thing i gathered from um looking into saw and pepper uh, apart from what you said um is that i don't wanna, i don't wanna say i don't wanna say this in like a, a, a derogatory matter but it's just like there there wasn't there wasn't much uh they were pretty much just like the performers in this in this particular in this particular case because uh if you like look behind you know in terms of like production and also in like writing they didn't really write their rec- uh, some of their songs until like i don't know i think black magic um i know i know for sure like the first and i think the second album that just had nothing in terms of like writing credits from either Salt or pepper um so i just found that quite kind of interesting and i guess it was more i guess that's more of like uh, the case of how some music acts went you know, um, there's plenty. I'm sure there's plenty of uh, music. I'm I'm sure. <laughs> I'm I'm sure. When it comes to like obviously like Motown, which um, you know, we we in in historical terms we uh, hail a lot in music, but you know that shit was a genuine machine. Like that shit was K-pop before K-pop. Like, let's be real about it. (laughs) Uh, Like, they had one band doing all of the all of the all of the riffs and all the all of the beats uh, uh, in a basement, literally a basement. (laughs) So so, you know, I'm not not saying like Pepper was that, but uh, yeah, it's clear that they they just they went off the back of you know it's it's these two women and obviously the and Pepper, the group case three women and. They have this they have this unique look to them um and they just had the confidence towards it and you obviously gather that in their music but just in case in, just in a um, just in a historical context there's clearly just a, um, uh, a a unity there I guess um that I'm not sure most uh, not sure most groups had back then. I'm sure. I'm, I think uh, other groups. I, I think that even adds to the re, uh, adds to the um, uh, to the mind blowing mind blownness of the fact that uh, Salt and Pepper has this you know longevity career wise and also from a cultural perspective even more of a longevity um, mm. that I don't think there's many you know hip hop groups that died in the '80s that have that. Um, obviously, we can name a few, but um, just... And, and also, you know, let's just say it, you know, it's be- uh, because they were women as well, I'm sure that was a much harder deal uh, to break off as well. To, I don't know, to... Um, for, what, for whatever reason, people, you know, sticking their nose in or whatever and making decisions for them or whatever. I don't know any of that, but sure, there must have been challenges in that case just from a gender perspective.
0: Yeah, I think... I, I honestly didn't know about the writing I didn't know about the that they didn't write I mean it doesn't surprise me uh I don't think I'll speak on it in a second but I don't think that kind of I'm not saying that you said this but I don't think that reduces their impact or reduces their yeah. artistry I think there are other ways you know that you can yeah, yeah. curate something or create something but i i I didn't know that but I think you're hundred percent right I think they are I guess their closeness as a group and their the way they meshed was a good like there were three of them, but we've got to remember that. So I think that was important. I think if it was just a duo, it would have been harder to push back against the you know, the the inherent difficulties of being a female in the hip hop industry. I think they would have been pushed in different directions and I think you're right, it it's very challenging when you're not writing your own music or you're not writing your own bars even if they weren't. Then how do you control the narrative? You know how do you how do you stay on top of it? How do you create a vibe and keep that vibe rather than just be a completely constructed? Uh, we see it a lot with pop acts now, where it's just all constructed. And I never got that feeling with Salt and Pepper. I never got the feeling that they were a bunch of white men sitting in a room. I get this feeling a lot. No, no, no. I get this feeling a lot with pop acts now. It's a bunch of middle-aged white men and I've had conversations with these middle-aged white men. Okay? And they, they sit in a room and they say, what's going to work? What's not going to work? Let's write down a, a, a bunch of things that we want this artist to do and say and then we'll go make them do it and we'll write a bunch of songs that we want them to sing and we'll just create this marketing bubble and then we'll put it out in the world And we'll see how it goes. And I never got that feeling with Salt and Pepper, which is very valuable, very valuable. And I think it's, I think the it's essential in the fact that they were, they were very different to Queen Latifah. When we spoke about Queen Latifah last week and her female empowerment, it was completely different from Salt and Pepper, but just as important. Now. Hmm. The way they promoted female sexuality and empowerment, they spoke openly and vividly about sex in their music. That's a theme that they carried to their music videos. And actually, it was so much so that people just assumed Push It was about sex. But Peppas was really vehement that it was not about sex at all. Uh, it was just about dancing. And she said that that sometimes when they played shows, the police would show up like NWA style, ready to throw them off stage if they said anything controversial. And Pepper was pretty upset about that, as you as you would be, because it's just so stereotypical. It's like, oh, you rapped about sex on your last song, so this one must be about sex too, you know? So I understand that that frustration. But if you think about the landscape of hip-hop way back then, in the mid, mid-80s, uh, the mainstream just kind of viewed hip-hop as a bit of a fad or a bit of fun, you know? Like, the message was a bop, but it wasn't risky. You know, they they weren't super intense yet. Hip hop was not super intense at this point. And then Salt and Pepper came along and blew that up, man. They like Tramp is a great song. They take the power back from men and flip the narrative of women are tramps or whores or whatever into if men only think about sex, then they're a tramp. They're a whore. I love that. I love that so much. The very next track is I'll take your man, which is a theme that is so prevalent in female rap over the past 30 years. It's It was basically just one bar that defined the way that you know women would rap about this for the next 30 years. It was, if you mess with me, I'll take your man. It was so simple, but it's been the centerpiece of so many hip-hop songs and fucking albums and personas. It's just one solitary bar. There's in that one bar, there's a competitive spirit of hip-hop. Uh, if you mess with me, I'll mess with you. There's a sexual confidence to simply say, I'm better than you. Your man would much rather be with me than you. Mm. There's the disdain for any kind of code or warmth between women. It's like There's the dismissal of your adversary as weak and unprepared. And what I like the most of all, it positions the man as property. I love that. It's like, you know, I'll take your property from you. I'll steal it from you. That's your property, but there's going to be my property. I just fucking loved that, man. I really loved that. And I thought that they created a space for women to embrace their femininity and find mainstream success. And this is the point, I think, going back to what you said, they remained autonomous over their body. And I think if they were just a constructed pop act that, a bunch of you know white men decided in a room like this is what we're going to do <laughs> I don't th- I think they would have lost that autonomy I think yeah. we would have felt that they didn't have that authenticity and someone else was creating that narrative but they either were the best actresses ever because whatever role that they were designed to, play, I don't, I just don't feel that way. I don't feel that way at all. I mean, Tramp came out before all this happened, mm. so I just think that's who they were at their core, and I really respect that. I love that about them.
1: Yeah. Um. So, the guy, the literally, it's like one person behind the group. To be honest, um. Also, he was um, uh, actually responsible for uh the duo Kid and Play. Um, for the House Party fans are there um Herbie Lovebuck Azor um he's a uh, he was a music producer and uh, basically manager for both uh, for both the acts and uh yeah he wrote and produced most of um and Pepper's work um, for for most of uh, most of their career and uh you know I feel like um well considering the <laughs> Uh, according to his uh, little, uh, little Wikipedia biography, so the uh, also dated sought for a good uh, for a good five years. Um, I feel like if if that was the case, like I think I think he is one of those rare. Uh, people um, that it's not just you know the the guy writing the stuff uh, you know he's obviously not doing that there's obviously a you know back and forth in there there's a dialogue he's not just like here's the lyrics <laughs> you know <what> I mean <laughs> I don't I don't think he yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't think he was like you know a suit in that case um, but yeah I think I think that's kind of once I looked it up I was just like I just found it very interesting and I was just like trying to think about like what was that what was that relationship like you know obviously he had this he had the skills to produce and to write lyrics or whatever and um obviously in uh in the later career um i think um salt wrote a few records i think shoop was actually one of them to be honest um which is a banger and um yeah i I, I found i found that quite interesting uh, looking looking at um looking how they... uh, I guess in that case, it was pretty much like the four of them. Um, And they all had their I guess um, certain set of skills, because one of... I I forgot whether it is Salt or Pepper, I forget which. Um, One of them is Jamaican, and... When you listen to their music, there were a couple of Jamaican records, like similar to the Queen of Honestly, it was just like, oh, let's just let just throw in a reggae track. Why not? I was just, I was, just, I was just like a little bit confused. As I realized I was like, oh yeah, one of them's Jamaican American, so it made it made it made a lot of sense. And um, you know, getting into their music a little bit more, it's just like. Uh, I, f- I found it fascinating that you thought uh, they were they were firmly 90s. I was just like nah they're, nah, yeah. they're for sure mid <laughs> uh, sound is the sound, the sound is so 80s. It's so fucking 80s, so 80s bruv. It's just it so doesn't, oh, it's just so basic It's so basic. It's has, so basic. Like the first, um, I I feel like in terms of the discography, I only listened to um up to very necessary, so I haven't listened to the last one. Um but I think it, I think their music gets better um as the as the years go by um just uh, just bi- just bit by bit to be honest um that's just that's just how I feel about it listening to them back to back to back to back um but um, funny fun fact actually uh, push it wasn't even technically the first uh, song on the on the album because once I saw that right Cause I, I, once I just saw the I think it's like hot, vicious, and cool. That's the album, album name. Um, once I saw that, and they said they said push it uh, first track. I was like, so you're telling me that the first track this group dropped was some of the hottest shit in hip hop history? Are you, is that what you're telling me? Then I looked up a bit, and it was it's like, crazy, and, right? <laughs> <laughs> see, I I broke. I was like, if that's the case, that mu- that that would have been low key like the 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 most in first debut track of any artist like i'd, I'd, I'd have to make that conversation i'd have to put that conversation in like i can't I can't really think of anybody else they just like their first I'm track actually, um, their first track on I'm their first album that right now try try and yeah, think yeah, of I'm another song doing... try and think of another song but hang on it can't be push it i will i will it but can't be push it because continue. um the push push it dropped after the album dropped um they just put it in for re-release
0: Oh, for real? Is that how it works? Yeah.
1: So I think, um, yeah. So the album dropped, and then a few months ago they dropped Push It, and obviously that popped. So um, they just put it on uh, future re-releases of the album instead of instead of holding it for the for the for the next album, which obviously came, I think, uh, the next couple of years
0: or whatever. Ah, oh, you're right. Yeah, they dropped Show Stop up, My mic sounds yep. nice and Tramp. And I think Tramp. I think Push It was the B side to Tramp, and it must have been on ah, it must have been yeah, on the early go. album. There yeah, you go. Yeah. And then it popped the fuck off as a B side. <laughs> it went to 19 on the Hot 100, which is platinum. Uh, so
1: now, okay, is we can have that. Com- we can have that conversation. Name a bit of B side, fucking hell. Like I know B sides don't exist anymore, but like <laughs> that's a popping B side. fucking
0: you know. a lit B side. That's amazing, man. Yeah, I, I guess when listening to their music, I was similar to you. I'm like, okay, this is this is dated. Yeah, this is pretty <laughs> old, and it, it didn't it didn't really progress. I'm not gonna lie, it didn't progress as they progressed in their career. It didn't it didn't really. And I, I you know, I, I'm not mad at that. Like, it didn't take me out of the listening experience, but I was very aware that I was listening to mid '80s music, even in '93, with very necessary. I just. Mm. i i didn't feel like they sonically progressed that much but i think uh musically uh sorry content wise they did a little bit like i felt like very necessary was a little bit more you know it was a little bit more like the the track about aids at the end yeah that was uh, um yeah and there was some stuff about there was some socially conscious verses on that album that the aids track was confronting man that was that's just a skit like that was that was confronting I yeah, I know and I didn't expect that. I didn't it really hit me out of left field. So I'm very uh grateful that they they did that. I think that's a risk for them to take, but I just wanted them to update their sound a little bit. But I also think it's crazy that push it push it came out what what is that 86 87? Bro, that song sounds it still sounds fresh. No, f- like it just sounds fucking fresh even in 2020. Mm. And the thing about their music was They were, they were pop. I mean, they even said in an interview with the Guardian that they wanted to be a pop act. And if you look, I think with regard to their albums, they're a single art. They they were single artists Mm. in the sense that they created singles and then they would build an album around the singles. But the albums had a bit of filler. You know, it wasn't. It was more about these big songs like uh, "Expression." um, Let's talk about sex. And then "Shoop," uh, "What a Man." These are all fucking massive songs. Like "Shoop" and "What a Man" went number four and number three on the Hot 100. I mean, they were still getting top fifty hits in the in the late nineties with like "Giddy Up" and "Are You Ready?" and uh, "Heaven and Hell." You know, so that I just I just got that feeling that they were a pop act and they were create they were looking to create really big singles and really large sounds. And I respect that. I respect that. That's a way to sell records, and they sold a lot of records. I it, it's not the best for the record experience, um, where I felt like someone like Queen Latifah was very. She would spend a lot of time on the album mm. and a little bit less time on the like. There wasn't massive singles apart from Unity. There wasn't like his huge singles, uh, but yeah, I just I don't I don't I don't dislike that from Salt and Pepper. I really love those big singles. So what would you say in that case, like the, um,
1: um, I guess the, I guess the legacy is in terms of that, like, obviously we, because um, I'm just trying to wonder, like, how we, uh, in terms of, like, the hip hop lexicon, how do we see, you know, uh salt and pepper? Is it literally just like, you know, a pioneering, um, you know, firsts? you know, first female hip-hop group to do this? Is it just that in terms of just, like, um, making and breaking records? Or is there something deeper to that, do
0: you think? I think they're, uh, the message of... I think that the message of their sexuality is the legacy that they have. Yeah. Like, I, I just think they repurposed the objectivity. They, they transitioned from... You know, women are being used as property. Women are being disrespected. We're going to flip it entirely on its head and be popular doing it. That's the thing, you know. It's it's one thing to kind of be a disruptor and be very, I guess, against the curve and against the mainstream. It's another thing to actually be successful doing it. We've all listened to a million underground albums that never blew <laughs> up, that is completely against the establishment, that are against major labels, that are against all these uh, inherent toxic aspects of music but rarely do they actually blow up and they usually only blow up from this is another point they usually only blow up from an artist who has already bought into that system and then is changing gonna change the system from the inside so they've adhered to the system and then they're like nah we're gonna blow it up now that's what we do we're a sleeper cell salt and pepper were never like that i mean tramp was their first big single like they immediately they were like fuck all this shit we're coming in here to blow shit up. And I think that they created that space where women now could you've got sometimes you've got to go all the way to the end of the spectrum to create that path for everyone else. And the path's not well worn, but it is a at least it's a path. And you might be at the other end of the spectrum dead. You might not be releasing music anymore, but you've you've blazed that trail. And amazingly, they continued to be relevant well into the 90s. And I I think that that is their legacy. I don't know how many acts actually say Salt and Pepper influenced me. Uh, salt and Pepper made me feel. I don't know. Mm. I haven't I haven't read enough about you know artists like Foxy, Little Kim, Debrat. Um, I would be interested, Eve. I, I would like to read uh, if they have mentioned them as influences bef- as Salt and Pepper's influences on them. But I just think we can objectively look at it. Look at the lyrical content, Mm -hmm. do the research and look around and say there were no other major female rappers who were doing this at this level for this long at this time. And yet 10 years later, that's what was dominating the mainstream of female rap. So how could we not say that that is the, like, it's the same with, I always use it as an example. I use it every fucking week. It's the same with 808s. It's like, we can look at it objectively and say in 2008, Kanye dropped this project in 2020, every fucking number one album in hip hop sounds exactly like that project, and even if those artists don't say I was influenced by Kanye West explicitly, there's a clear link, a clear causal link between that and that happening. And I just feel, for me anyway, it's just a, a gut feeling. I think that uh, Salt and Pepper did that. I think Salt and Pepper created that, and I think it's it's not something I knew was attached to them before I started researching, I had no idea what their legacy was, I had no idea, you know, I, I I say this as well, it's like every year we get further into hip-hop, or just life in general, we lose a year of hip-hop history, and I think we're at like 93, 94 right now, where in a couple of years, people are going to start forgetting about Doggy Style, and The Chronic, and they're going to start forgetting about early Wu-Tang stuff, but I just think we're way past the the point of when we used to remember that the eighties was the golden year. And I think that's probably why they don't get the credit they deserve in the hip hop conversation these days.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, in most of that, to be honest, um, I think as a, I think as a group, they, uh, represent a, a very interesting, uh, and a very positive, uh, Form of female empowerment, and like you said, compared to compared to the, um, I see you mentioned that you know were uh, uh, prevalent in the nineties. I feel like they, I feel like Salt and Pepper had like a. I I I don't know. It's it's kind of like it, it feels sometimes it felt like a a satirical element. Where like obviously they're being completely serious that like you know uh, uh, when they whenever they talk about men or whether they talk about sex or femininity or whatever right but it was in a it was it was wrapped in a it was wrapped in a um, it was wrapped in a fun and kind of obviously pop and bubbly way of uh, a bubbly form of hip hop um it's yeah, a, yeah. hip a early form of hip hop in that case in in the late in the uh, mid to the late eighties. But, yeah, it just, it just felt like there was a... And I think, like, you know, satire can have that ability to just, like, invite someone even though they're the butt of the joke. You know what I mean? It's just... It's like, it's like I could... Bro, I could jam to shoot any fucking day of the week, right? But it's... <laughs> that song is literally just them, like, literally flipping the script and going, like, I want your digits. <laughs> so it's like, okay, then. All right, then. Let me get, let me get my phone out. so it's just, it's great. It's, it's it's so. It is very, it is very invited. Um, it is very, it is very fun. Um, even though, like I said, they're probably being deadly serious in terms of just like, I will take your man. It's it's you know, it's no, it's no skin off my nose. I will take you fucking man. It don't matter, right? But it's just, it's just like the the fun thing, the, the fact that they had um, an enjoyable chemistry along with it. Um, it just. I don't know, it just it just makes it that much more um, palatable, and I don't really think in this case that uh, um, being palatable isn't really um, a bad thing, even though sometimes we, uh, especially in this day and age, we, you know, certainly I, like to <laughs> shit on people that try to be palatable, it's just like, bro, why are you... Why are you if, why Are you changing your sound because like just to just to get more like clicks or whatever like it you sometimes you just see that and you just it just makes you sad because it's just like that's just whack but in the case of salt and peppero it's not it w it wasn't it's not a, it's not pandering it's not pandering it's not you know it's not um uh what's the word um it's not it's not sacrificing anything um it was literally just you know how they performed. And how they uh, put forward their views. It was just a very... It was in a very fun way. And, uh, you know, in, in, in especially in the case of uh, early hip-hop, you know, um, a lot of it was influenced by, you know, dance music at the time and disco and stuff like that. You know, there's a lot of... Uh, they they did a lot of um, low-key covers um, in their work. You know, where Twist and Shout, I think, is a cover of Silent. Um They had a lot of... Uh, samples from very early hip hop songs. Uh I think well obviously Showstopper I think was a response to a Dougie Fresh track, so you know, it's just Yeah, yeah, yeah. so you know, they, 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 they had uh they had their uh homages, I guess. But um, yeah man, Salt Pepper just uh I I I think it's um I think like people like to think of it uh think of them as just like, you know, a, a talisman of of some sort, you know, a talisman of um uh of uh female empowerment and um, you know, uh how what I like to call uh B P E big pum energy. Um and but it's not but it's not just that, you know, it's the the music is generally I think uh you know <laughs> if you want to learn about uh how uh <laughs> how thick the drums were in the eighties, then um yeah salt and pepper is definitely <laughs> it's definitely a place you can start if you really want to but but yeah so it's it's a very fascinating group and um uh, I, think, I think it's good I think it's thing's good that we uh, gave gave them a shout um in this in this case um in 2020 uh, you can still talk about salt and Pepper and uh um and and find and find some uh, i guess legacy in it cuz uh like you said this it's hard to tr- it's it's hard it, i think if it, it was hard in this particular episode to try and you know think back you know to that far off um especially for me i've I've struggled a little bit but yeah the fact that we even um you know just did in in general i think is kind of a dub so uh yeah shout out to salt and pepper a thousand percent man shout out to salt and pepper well said all right we shall move on to a lighter note and um i gave ben a challenge uh, cuz i've been thi- i've been thinking about this for a while um but i just keep i just kept forgetting to to like uh, uh put him onto it um so ben the challenge is and he already knows his challenge i told him like uh, yesterday but the challenge is give me a song that you would put another producer on and their style would make that song uh better i've kind of butchered that uh challenge but <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think you know you, you know you know I <laughs> already gave you the fucking thing. <laughs> I think this was challenge. this was hard to do actually. This was hard to do because I th- obviously think of production but you know it's never hit me where I was like I wish so and so had produced this song instead of maybe the al- see albums definitely. Yeah. I always feel that way. I'm always like oh I wish this producer had produced this mm-hmm. album like I wish so badly that just Blaze had produced that J Electronic album. It would well, be a it. it was on it, wasn't it? Uh, but it was probably only Shiny Suit Theory. I don't even know if he produced that. Yeah, so he
1: had a credit on that.
0: But yeah, i get what you I mean. I don't think he has a credit. But yeah, um, so the one that just came into my head that I'm gonna stick with, uh, producers. No, he didn't he didn't produce anything on that oh, album big. at all. Um, the one that came into my head was I wanted Dr. Dre to produce Sicko Mode. Now, Sicko Mode, okay. it got a lot of hate. And I think the beat is okay. Which one? <laughs> it's a bit of a... <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's four of them. There's four beats. But I just, I honestly think, I don't think Dr. Dre is the person who will create these like big kind of instrumental pieces where imagine that beat when you're just first given it. It's crazy. It's all over the place. Like It's four different, completely different beats in one. But I just think the drums did not sound tight. The transitions did not sound tight. I think Dr. Dre has this really great quality where less is more. And it's just space. He creates space. Mm. And I just... It, don't, it doesn't feel crisp, that beat. It doesn't feel as crisp as Dr. Dre could have made it. I just really wanted him to produce that beat. And the other one is... Uh, Kill Jay-Z off 444. I don't like it when No ID gets in this bag. I think he's great with samples. I think he chops them up. No no one is going to chop up a sample like No ID. I think he's great at cultivating a vibe. But that first beat, man, is just... um, It's weak. It's the weakest beat off the album. Just Blaze should have produced that song. I don't care what anyone... I don't care this bullshit that they have between them where they have to get in the room and make... I don't know part two or PSA part, like (laughs) show me what you got. They got to do that. Just make music, man, make music together. Like you're brilliant together. And he would have just laced that song because just blaze can take a song to a whole other level. Think about freedom by Beyonce and Kendrick. Mm. Like it just goes, Mm. it just fucking goes. Mm. He is one of the most underrated producers because he, and, and this is another point I wanted to make on this, this topic was, a lot of these new beats that I'm hearing and a lot of these new songs that are blowing up, I love the the underwater 808 sound. I really do like it. But I think that if you had some of these 90s producers doing the bulk of this work, my God, it would sound better. It would Maybe it would lose that aesthetic. So maybe it wouldn't be as popular. So maybe I'm just barking up the wrong tree completely here. But if we started getting like these producers who... You know, fucking Just Blaze used to take radios apart and put them back together so he could discover what it sounded like. Bink was, like, sampling on his phone in the 90s. Like, he was creating samples on his fucking whatever cell phone he had. Like, that's crazy. I just want these really technically proficient producers on these new beats. So, I just think the beats are great but I, I really think they could just step it up from an 8 to a 9 or a 10, and that makes all the difference. But those are the two. Sicko Mode with Dr. Dre okay. and Kill Jay-Z just plays what about that's you in, that's in, that's interesting actually uh, i i the thing about this is just
1: like it's so broad i don't know where you were going to go with it but that's kind of interesting um i can i can definitely see that so yeah uh one beat the that, that would be better if a different producer put their style on it that's how i worded it um i've literally just thought of one uh, but the one i've had on my mind for ages <sighs> i wanted uh in hindsight DJ Premier to do if you know you know push a T that would have been sick that that just just Damn, just thinking okay. about that right so I, I but he would have scratched
0: it he would have scratched too many Bro, scratches no
1: that's the great thing about it it would have been so slack that would have been so clean especially like near the, nearer to the end where, you, where like uh obviously in this in this in this universe, <laughs> Kanye, you know, shuts off the beat for a bit. He goes, "Uh, big Meach and the tigers and that right, uh, tiger skiing, right." And that, if you had mm. the scratches in that, oh my gosh! And trust, and, and and we know, and we know that, um, you know, DJ Premier can bring on some bass right there, right? And I would, I think, in overall, just a little bit more bass from a DJ Premier, yeah, a from DJ bass. Premier, um, from a DJ Premier beat kit would have been just. <clears throat> Uh, it just would it just would have hit hit my ears just that just that much uh, harder It would have been so great and uh, one I literally just thought of recently um, literally sometime uh, sometime today uh, ninth wonder on Royster Five Nines Black Savage uh, of the recent uh, project I love that song um, but I feel like there was just uh, I feel like someone. Like a no, it doesn't even have to be Ninth Wonder in this case, but I just fall with Ninth Wonder because I, th- I would think he would have come through with some uh much more interesting uh, uh, I guess, uh, beat switches. Um, but yeah, I feel I feel like that I feel like that beat could have just had so much more meat on it, and uh, yeah, I think like what Ninth Wonder could have uh cleaned that up so much. or oh, that would have been. Mm. mm. these parallel universes i want to be in these parallel universes my guy (laughs) this is great this is great it's great i feel yeah
0: (laughs) i feel like i'm i'm happy that royce produced self-produced that album uh his latest album but i really you know the concepts that he came up with beat wise were great i just wanted it clean i Mm. wanted it clean like i'm happy for it to be all sprawling but I want it clean. I want clean mixes. And and uh, I was listening to Joe Budden podcast, and they were talking about the J Electronica album and the project, production on it. And I agree. I, I think the production is different, and I it doesn't it doesn't resonate with me. And they said that it wasn't mixed well. And Parks was like, "You can't mix a bad beat well." He's just like, you know, I wouldn't be able to mix those beats better because they're just not good beats. And J Electronica produced most of that album. And I feel similarly with some of the, you know, with Royce, the, the exception to this is Eminem. Like, I don't really want Dr. Dre to have produced all the songs that Eminem produced. Like, Eminem produced Moment of Clarity on um, the Black Album, and that was the first place I went when I thought this in my head. I was like, man, I maybe I wanted uh, Dr. Dre to produce that song. But then I thought about it, and I'm like... I don't really want that. Like I think it had a quality, an innate quality within it. It's not always for me to be the cleanest beat. I don't always want the cleanest beat. Um But yeah, it's a very interesting concept. It's certainly not something I've thought about very often. It's not something I'm thinking when I'm listening to a song. Normally it is an album thing. Like it is an album thing where I'm listening to it and I'm like, fuck, I wish so-and-so would produce this. One of the the acts that I really wish would lock in with a producer is Little Wayne. I can't I'm getting so fed up with these albums. Like his last really cohesive album was the Carter 2. That was the first album he did outside of Manny Fresh. Like Manny Fresh is was his producer. He did the the Carter 1, which was super tight and all his projects prior. The Carter 2 had a whole bunch of different producers, but it still had that Manny Fresh tightness. And then after that... Every little Wayne project has just been a bit of a mess. It's been all over the place. And I really wish he would lock in with a producer and be like, all right, this is the aesthetic I want. And you know, that's what Jay-Z and No ID did with 444. Like, No ID basically brought him all these beats and, and, and these samples. And Jay-Z would pick the ones that they would work together to create a sound together. And I love it when a producer does that. Um, maybe Damn. I, I felt like someone else could have produced Damn. I, I did not like the production on that album. I thought it was just a bit sleepy. I felt like it was a bit, you know, uh, Humble was great, but I just didn't feel like, yeah. But I think it's a cool concept, honestly. Mm-hmm. We need to sit with our thinking hats and, like, get into a parallel universe and come up with, like, five albums and how they would sound if they weren't <laughs> produced by... That sounds like a DJ booth <laughs> <laughs> Should pitch that to them. Yeah, one. Yeah, one, no. Go for it. It's all yours. But that was a cool concept. I like that. I like right, that. Cool. You got your night night. Um, you know, I have a couple. I want to know, like, what to get age. In a Ten minute rent. <laughs> <Nah, it's> no, <laughs> <a good laughs> but I want to. I want to know, Charlie, at what age you consider fist fighting to just be you? You don't fist fight anymore like when you're you know um, men men fight uh, men fight when they're young we fight when we're teenagers we get in fist fights <laughs> at what age do you feel Nah, we're not doing that anymore It's we're, we're way too old for this shit uh 22 fuck okay Oh, you want to fight someone i think <laughs> no 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 i think it's 20 but like cuz i was i was okay. looking back over my last 11 years as a man and i've been threatened with violence by a lot of men who were well over the age of 25 and when they do that it's like I'm looking at you like okay so you're still 16 like you're still a child you you don't you maybe you're not intelligent enough to have this conversation maybe you're I don't know but you don't want to have a conversation you just want to punch me in the face it's usually over a girl or over like a, a disrespect that they feel has happened, especially at cricket. You know, when you play cricket, you there's banter and you say shit to other people. I had this one guy, and um, he was a bit of he was a super live wire. He was in his early thirties, and I was only twenty one. And he came out to bat, and he walked directly at me. And we'd had like words in other games, and I'm gonna swear, I'm gonna say the c word in a second. So close your ears if you don't want to hear this. And he just walked towards me, and he just said fuck you're a cunt and he lost his shit at me man he ran at me with his bat and then he threatened to chop my ears off he threatened to kill me he got banned for two years from cricket and i'm like bro you're 31 like that's what happens on a cricket field people call you that i get called that every day i get called that online every day like at what point do you just stop and and i guess the whole thing was sparked by the baby and just him just throwing hands at everyone all the time And, you know, we used to think it was cool and I watched the Sean C video about it and it was great because he said, you are arcing up now because it's a woman that he hit, but he's been beating the shit out of men who probably didn't deserve it either and you've been loving it. Like, you've been saying, this is amazing, this is great. And, uh, yeah, I just, I, I am turned off a lot by that. I'm like, I don't think at that age you should be throwing hands anymore. I think you need to settle your dispute in another way It just it's just gross, I don't like it so if you're out there and you're in your 20s and you're still getting into fist fights, I would seriously rethink that behaviour, I don't think that's the right way to go about things that's just my opinion, that's just my opinion maybe I'm, I'm okay because I'm sitting in my room and I'm like uh, closed off from a lot of the world so maybe I'm not in the real world and maybe that's how people still deal with their issues but I just feel like it's just not the way to go about things to be honest
1: yeah i mean it's a it's always a case of um uh i guess like intelligence i guess, and just like um know thyself kind of thing um and I feel like some the people that you know just resort to just throwing hands is just like mo- most of the time it's just not it's in the in the in the case you're thinking about it is' never really that justified is just, like, someone just... Someone just snapped for, like, the smallest of reasons. Just, like, bro, chill, like, <laughs> what's the... It's just, like, what, what's the point? But, yeah, I don't know. Never been the fight type, me. Believe it or not. <laughs> <But>
0: <laughs> I can see you, man. I can see you monstering some people. No, bro. No, no.
1: I, I... Uh, you this know what? Like I'm very imaginative, um, as a writer, but, um... Yeah, I, 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 don't, I, I. it's one of those things where I don't really know whether I'd actually act on it or anything. So uh yeah. But I don't I don't Maybe maybe it's that or maybe I'll just embarrass myself and like it, it's what like it was like in a cartoon where like um I don't know, like a a character runs into like a brick wall and it's just like uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna get slapped. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll we'll, yeah, we'll never um, know.
0: <laughs> I've been in a fair few fights when I was younger, and um, I lost a lot of them. I was I'm not a fighter man. <laughs> I'm, I'm a bad I'm a bad fighter. I never got knocked out, but uh, there was one that I got into at a party, and it was again game. Well, was only sixteen, I think. You t- I, think you t- I, told was, I think
1: you put this on wax like, like earlier earlier yeah, down the line. The, yeah
0: over a girl and he choked me out man he oh, fucking fuck got him. me got me locked up <laughs> and, he hold and i was um i was on the way out i was about to pass oh. out and he accidentally hit a woman while he was punching me and he was trying to like get him off me and then everyone just kind of evicted him from the party and i was saved but uh that was probably the last time i was like okay this is not for me this this fighting life is i'm, I'm not good at this i need to uh invest my energy in something else so i got good at running and I'm, I could outrun you. So if you want to fight me, I will run away from you very quickly for a long time. I don't think you're going to outrun me. I think that's a, that was a valid way to, uh, to change my energy in that sense. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, this has been <laughs> Love and Not a Fighter podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have guessed? Who would have guessed that we're the sensitive, emotional, <laughs> sensual types? Who just hey, want to talk hey, about our feelings, hey, and we hey, don't want to express hey, them physically?
1: Emotionally intelligent—it's like it's, it's, it's the phrase I like to use. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll I will
0: like take like, that. I take like that
1: phrase. It's, it's putting smarts, putting smarts ten. in your brain into it, makes you seem less like a pussy. But um, yeah, so ladies and gentlemen, that's been digging digits. So hope you enjoyed this episode. I've shown to the <fella. laughs>
0: We're so pussy. We're so pussy. I'm just like. All these big guys want to fight me, and I'm like, nah, man, that's childish. Use your words. I'm like, I don't want to fight this guy. (laughs) This guy's gonna beat the fuck out of (laughs) me. So I'm gonna belittle him into intellectual. That's a good point. There's such thing as just
1: being realistic. Like it's just like, you
0: know what? Nah, it's not gonna happen. (laughs) I'm pussy. Damn. Okay, fair enough. I'm embrace that shit because I cannot fight. I'll embrace that. I'll take that. Fair enough. Well said.
1: (laughs) Who are you? And what is your
0: occupation? Pussy. Alright. But that's... A, we, we've got to talk about that too because pussy's... Like, we can't use the word pussy. Pussy's... P- Bro, I'm in the show, so, fam. So... <laughs> nah, man. I don't want to end the show on that note. There's got to be another word because pussy's... Ugh, we can't use that. Like, female vagina. Like, female vagina. That's not fair. I've tried not to you get use a cat, that term. Get your head out of the go. Nah, my cats one of my cats is a gangster. She'll beat the fuck out nah, of me. Nah, kick a cow of the window, I don't care. What's another word for pussy that we can use? Scared. <sighs> We're we scared. This show's never green. <laughs> We're scared. I'm scared. I'm not pussy. I'm scared. I'm just gonna leave it at that. You can be pussy if you want. I'm just gonna Ed say the I'm scared. Show. I'm shook. Alright, we're in the show. I'm sorry, but I needed to end it on a good note. I needed to end it on a positive note. Okay. I've said my name and shit, brother. What's yours? Oh, I gotta do yeah. mine. So it's on me now. Yes. I can keep this shit going as long as I want. Huh. Alright, I've been Bankara Thank for you. top numbers Fuck and I'm scared. Hell. I'm Three scared. minutes.
1: Three minutes gone of my life. And I'm gonna lim- to I'm not even gonna no, edit you that, you lot fine. are gonna suffer with me. Fuck that noise.
0: You'll be fine. Ross. Bro, you'll be fine.
1: Shit, okay. Right. Lucky we lucky you'll the un- lucky the lucky the thing that we're all rich in right now is time. Fuck. Yes, yeah, true. Man. We got a
0: lot of that shit.
1: <sighs> <laughs> Alright, we shall see it next week. <laughs> oh. <sighs> Have a good week, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. We shall always try and do the same, wash your hands and all that we shall see in it but yes. until the next time I don't know what we're going to do next week we'll figure it out take it easy ladies and gentlemen alright peace Whoa. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter the show was edited by me music for the show is a piece of video games by bonus points thanks to your records for the ability to use Socials for the Fifth Element, Hip Hop By Numbers, bonus points, and your records will be in the description where you're listening. This has been a Fifth Element Podcast Network and Hip Hop By Numbers collaboration. Thanks for spending time with us, and we shall see you next time on Digging Into Digits.